0: Welcome to Luology's first crushing it in aesthetics expert interview. And I'm Erica Feinberg. This is Lou Silverman. And um, as you may know, Lou is the founder of National Laser Institute. NLI has been around, I don't know, a couple of decades. And it's one of the largest training institutes in the country for cosmetic laser and cosmetic injections training, things of that sort. And if you've ever experienced the vibe of NLI, uh, it's very upbeat and inspiring. And it all stems from that guy. Um, his mission in life is to help people crush in aesthetics and in life. And he doesn't separate the two, right, Lou? You don't separate (laughs) life and and work it's Uh all the same to you so um, he's a guru when it comes to aesthetics industry he knows how to build med spas and aesthetics businesses in the millions and as you can imagine lou gets bombarded with thousands and thousands of questions like what should i specialize in and how do i start my aesthetics practice or med spa and how do i market how do i find negotiating with medical director all that stuff what's the paperwork i need millions of questions so Lou founded another company named Luology. Get it? So he's Lou, L O U, and ology is the science behind crushing in aesthetics. And um, he created it to keep aesthetics professionals connected and learning and earning their entire lives and Luology is free to join, but I'm not going to get into that right now. I just want to dig in with you, Lou, okay? Um, All right. I have a million questions for you, um, Okay, Let's do it. but I narrowed it down to 12, 13. Uh, so today's interview is going to be more about like how you hone in on your areas of expertise, how you start your practice and how you get it rocking. Okay, so you ready? All you. All right. So <clears throat> once an esthetician or a cosmetic injector graduates from training, what's the first thing they have to do in the state they live in so they can get to
1: work? Um. It's different on every single state. Some states have regulations for the laser tech. Very, I don't think any states have regulations for the injectors. So basically, anybody that's a cosmetic injector, they learn Botox and fillers, they graduate from the course, they're trained, they go out, literally, they're good to go. There's not like they have to apply for some regulatory license. As long as they have an active physician, nurse, NPP license, they're good to go. In the laser tech world, the cosmetic, laser tech world is a little bit different. There's a handful of states that have regulations. Say, hey, wait a minute. You can't be practicing until you've got hours of education under your belt. Kind of similar laws to like uh, the culinary world or the the cosmetology world or things like that. And for example, in the state of Arizona, they take our course. You know, we give them the logs of the treatments they did. They send the state. They get their license. Texas, very similar. But only a handful of states, Erica, actually have regulations for cosmetic lasers. The rest of the states, it's like the Wild Wild West. And for cosmetic injections, uh, there is no national certification or training.
0: Okay, so they pretty much just have to check in with their state, like the a medical regulation board, or what's it called
1: in each uh, state. It's different for every single state. There is there isn't one consistent board. in some states, it's the medical board that oversees it. Some there's like a radiation board or a laser board or cosmetologist. So it's truly different in every single state. But okay. for somebody who wants to go out and get a job working for somebody else, you know, if they're a injector, they're good to go. There's nothing to do. If they're a cosmetic laser tech and they live in the handful of states that have a legal requirement, they send in their paperwork to the state, the state sends them their license and voila, all good.
0: Okay. So now on that note, what's your opinion as to whether they go to work for someone versus starting their (laughs) own
1: practice? Um, I would say it's a different answer for the world of cosmetic laser techs and injectors. When I got in this business 18 years ago, I'd say 80% of the cosmetic injectors, which is primarily a nurse-driven market. For every 100 people we train, I feel like it's it's like 85 nurses, NPs, PAs, maybe, you know, 15 doctors. And the doctors, of course, integrate it into their existing practice, you know, pick up a day or an hour here and there. And the nurses, I find, are doing more part-time or full-time. And when I got this business, I think 80% of the nurses and NPs and PAs actually got a job working for someone else, working for a plastic surgeon, a derm, a primary care office, or a med spa, whatever it may be. I've now the tides have changed. Now I feel like eighty percent of the nurses that come to us and NPs and PAs, they're looking to start their own freaking business. So they're looking to be more entrepreneurial. And I don't know, I don't know what happened. Maybe it was COVID or something. Everybody woke up and said, "I want to be a business owner." So I don't know if they're crazy or smart. But that's the road people are traveling now. The world of cosmetic lasers, little different game because there's more of an expense involved. A cosmetic nurse can open up the practice tomorrow and spend next to no money because you know you order ten thousand dollars of Botox, you don't even pay the bill for. Three months, they carry the paper. They give you turns, that would be it. But if you're going to do cosmetic lasers, you got to buy a device. There's there's a there's an expense amount it. it may cost you a thousand bucks or two thousand bucks a month. So not everybody can go afford a device. It's going to cost fifty or a hundred thousand so dollars. I find like 94 percent of the people that take cosmetic laser training usually end up getting a job working for somebody else in med spa, doc's office, and GM, whatever. But for the ones that are entrepreneurial, have access to investors or funding. Then they go out, they buy a laser, they rent a space, and then they become, you know, entrepreneurial business owners too. So a couple of different directions people take, and they're, they're pretty similar, but I'm a strong advocate. Even if somebody has the money to start a business or the cojones uh, or, the, or the guts, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer, you know, get some experience out there. You know, walk before you run, don't quit the day job, you know, you know, get rocking, rolling, get some income coming in and then go for it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: well, that's sort of interesting. So you you sort of um, answered a little bit of this next question. Is like if someone's new uh, and they're they're more on the technical side, tech, you know, that aesthetic tech side. How can they get creative to get experience under their belt? Like I, we hear a lot of complaints. No one's willing to hire me. I don't have any experience, especially if they make money to live. So I'm assuming they have to like have a job and then maybe dabble in this, but how can they get really creative to get that experience under their belt?
1: So in every single industry in the world, I don't care whether somebody's gonna be a graphic designer, a chef, a hairstylist, a cosmetic laser tech, an injector, a motorcycle mechanic, it's always the chicken egg thing. How the heck do I get a job when mm-hmm. I have no experience? That's that's like, that's like I mean, well, so many people good. get freaked out. They don't even want to start a new, a new trade because they're scared of what if, you know, what if I don't well. Think about like I guess, in every single career in the world, all of us, including you and me, we started with no experience. So how the frick did we land that first job? Well, obviously, it was not from our experience because we had no experience. So somebody fell in love with us as a person. They said, you know what? I'm going to roll the dice on Erica and Lewis. They seem sharp. They seem organized. They got a good vibe. And I can teach them the skills, but they're the person I want to build, to build this business, build this brand. So when people are out there looking for a job, they kind of get it backwards. They get so caught up in, oh, shit you know, I'm stepping in this new field. It's fun. It's exciting. I got good training, but you know, they get so concerned about the perfect resume and how am I going to compete against these people out there? Their minds are in the wrong place. People by people, Erica. So as a business owner in a service industry, now keep in mind, we're not, um, we're not training people to be uh computer coders or electrical engineers or graphic designers, but you need a certain skill set. Mm-hmm. with all due respect um, to the graphic designers and coders and engineers out there. I mean, they could probably have a very dry, boring personality, and I'd still hire them because I'm hiring a skill set. But in this business, when people are dealing with people and my providers are doing injections and lipsticks, it's a relationship business. My number one concern is, are they get along? Are they going to connect? Are they going to jive? Are they wanna, you know, you want to go back to your hairstylist, not just because they give you a good haircut, because they make you feel special. They're your therapist, your life coach. You're talking about your husband and wife and, and vacations and dogs and kids and all those things. So. People just have to win somebody over to get in the door because any smart employer will know that they can give somebody more skill sets or right? they can give some more experience. You can't give somebody a smile. You can't give somebody charisma or eye contact or teach them how to dress and all those things. So you just got to get in the freaking door somewhere and then you're off the races. And keep in mind, you're kind of, um, this is a big business. Medical aesthetics last year was $16 billion, which means consumers like you and I, Reached into our pocketbook and spent $16 billion last year. They say in 2030, it's going to hit $30 billion. So uh, that's quite a lot of business out there. Um, the last time I checked, this is about four months ago. Um, and let's see, right now we're filming this. We are in, what are we in? Are we in June of 2022? I'm losing my mind. Is that weird? Really? <laughs> yeah. So in June of 2022, there's about 6,500 med spas open for business. When I got in this business 18 years ago, there's one. There's probably going to be like 10,000 before you know it. But that only represents like a piece of the pie. The bigger piece of the pie is all the services that are happening at, you know, the doctors at the physicians' offices. It used to just be plastic surgeons and derms doing the aesthetic skincare stuff. Now they do it, but they're the minority. Every, Eric, I promise you, you go to your OBGYN tomorrow, look around. Your OBGYN, your primary care doctor, they're offering Botox and cosmetic lasers. So the world is changing. All these medical professionals are looking for a cash business to add with no insurance hassles. So the opportunities are endless, and in, in the last eight years, publicly traded gyms, Lifetime Fitness, and Equinox, are adding med spas, and you know, health. I mean, just it's becoming so mainstream. Mm-hmm. I joke about this, Erica, but I honestly believe, from the bottom of my heart, that one day in five, ten, ten years from now, you're gonna walk through Walmart, you see, you know, the McDonald's, you see the little tire place and guns, and the, the just get your eyes checked. You're gonna see a little mini med spa in Walmart and in mm-hmm. Target, and like you're gonna be driving through in the next, you know, the futuristic. In and out burger, McDonald's. You know, they always try to supersize. You know, a hamburger, fries, and a coke, and put your leg up here, gonna zap you from the like your <laughs> as you're driving through. You know, maybe maybe it won't get that crazy, but you get what I'm saying. You get the point. The business is growing. Oh, that's great. It's hard because I can't make noise on a Zoom
0: interview. I can't make noise or it cuts you out and you're making love. <laughs> but Lou, you hit it so big. And I think that's even bigger. That number is even bigger than the pornography industry. How large. <laughs>
1: business. So, exactly.
0: So You know, it's funny because the Revolana, the software part of the business. I'm dealing, I'm working with a gal who was a pediatric nurse, now she's, mm-hmm. you know, in her own men's spa, um, a neurologist who works on men's and sexual health and stuff, like, he's now, like, wanting to get away from that insurance business onto this, yeah. and so it's amazing, and then, so the other thing, too, this is another nurse she was a a veteran. Um, I mean, she was, she was in the military. She's retired, but um, this comes up a lot. So the next question, and I had pointed to some um, military resources and she said they're fantastic, but how can someone land funding if they want to start their own practice or med spa? Like what's the best way? And there's like Hispanic ones and, you know, like support organizations for specific kind of um, religions or, you know, the, where you're from, whatever, there's a lot of niche support organizations. Yeah. I
1: mean, once, once in a while, there's like these, mm-hmm. these funds and grants for, you know, single moms, and, yeah. you know, if you're from a ethnic community or blah, 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 there's definitely things out there. If you kind of dig deep enough, you can find them. I find most people who start a business and there's a capital requirement, they need 20 grand or 50 grand. Typically they're going to friends and family first. And then if they don't have friends or family with money, then they go to the you know what we call the angel investor, just some rich friend who's worth sold their company for twenty million dollars and has some dollars to play with. And very rarely do you see somebody in our world going out to a private equity firm or venture capital. That's more for like the big boys who are doing a zillion dollars in yeah. the yeah. I, I find it's, it's family, friends, money. It's it's it take out a home equity loan in the house, you know real estate's going through the roof and you used to have 20 grand equity in your house. Now you got 200 grand When you take a loan of 50 grand against your house and start the business. I'm seeing a lot, a lot of that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, that's really, Lou, that, those are great points. And especially if someone wants free treatments for life, um, it's a great <laughs> trade. So that's a really good point, Lou. And so on that note, like what are the top things you need the money for?
1: So when somebody starts to practice, they're, Regardless whether they're doing a little small scale like renting a room for 700 bucks a month and you know a shoestring budget and 200 square foot spot, or whether they're doing a fancy crazy med spa like a national laser and it's 10,000 square feet, we all need the same things. We all a have to pay rent, so the rent can range from as little as 500 bucks a month to a zillion dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all need software, so you've got the Revelando software before you. We all need some kind of med spa software because you know we're human. We can't do everything manually. that We're in a digital age, so. We want to schedule people on a computer. We want automated emails and texts going out to people. We want, we want a way of communicating with our customers, but we don't have to think. Because we live in this world. We want to we want to focus on what we do best, providing services and let the software do the you know the day-to-day things. So you gotta have the software. Um, you know, if you're gonna offer technology, you have to get some equipment, whether it's an expensive equipment that costs 50 or hundred grand or less expensive that costs five thousand dollars, like a microneedling treatment. You need some kind of technology. If you're gonna be offering injections, you've got to buy some product. The good news is you don't have to come any cash out of pocket. You can order a thousand bucks or 20,000 bucks of Botox and fillers, and the big companies will allow you to start paying on it three months later. Uh, You need basic office supplies. You know, you need the phone, you need the fax, you got to pay your air conditioning bill and your lights. And and then you may just need some furniture. Because when somebody steps in the lobby, I mean, I know you're on a budget, Erica, but they can't. Can't sit on the floor, right? So, we may have to buy a couch or a chair or some things like that. And, um, and you know, you want to look the part, you want to get the scrubs, and you know, you want to sell some skincare products. You pick up a couple lines to promote skincare, and then you got to make sure that you are a uh, Regulatory compliant. There's laws out there called like HIPAA notion. Basically, and that's kind of lingo for meaning we got to play by the rules. You can't run around with open-toed shoes because it's against the medical rules. When a new client comes to a doc's office or a med spa, they sign their new client consent form, giving us permission to do the treatments. And and some states have a regulation that you got to keep these customer files, you know, intact for seven years. I've got ten zillion storage centers of erica files which is idiotic because now we're in a digital world so now finally you know we're on the cloud and doing you know electronic medical records which i strongly recommend you guys if you guys are starting a business avoid the paper save the trees you know get electronic get digital software get digital everything let's do everything on ipads yeah you gonna have a one-time cost to buy an ipad but you know you're not going to need a thousand ipads you might need four or five and they're not cheap they could cost I don't know, five, six hundred bucks for an iPad, but you can get like the knockoff, the Amazon brands, probably a couple hundred dollars. So yeah, there's definitely ways to do it in budget. So those are the basic expense, expenses there. But here's my opinion the most expensive part of starting any business in the world is nothing what I included. In my opinion, the most expensive part is what we, of course, call working capital, you know, the money we need in our piggy bank to get rocking and rolling, to pay the bills until we turn a profit. Because I mean, you tell me, but I've never seen a business in the world, or I'm sure it happens now and then. Very rarely, maybe five percent of the time, does somebody open their doors in that first month they're turning a profit. Usually people, you know, they're you know, they're upside down. So let's say your expenses, Erica, was four thousand dollars a month to pay all your bills. Well, maybe in your first month you get two thousand bucks of clients, which is a good start. Well, yeah. you're upside down, two grand, two grand came out of your piggy bank, and that's your working capital. And now maybe your expenses go to ten grand a month. And so, you know, so that to me, I think is kind of the thing that people don't really think through, like how long will it take? till I turn the corner and make a profit and I need enough money in the piggy bank. So I always tell people, whatever you think is gonna take you, double it. If you think it's gonna take you six months to turn the corner and break even, and you're not, your monthly overhead is let's say five grand a month. I would say, make the assumption you're gonna do next to no sales. You know, Maybe you're gonna do like a couple grand a month. So if you're burning five grand a month for six months, that would be $30,000 you need working capital. But now I'm saying, Louis is saying double down, double it. So now 30,000 becomes 60,000. Now that's with doing no sales at all. Of course, if you did 30 grand in sales that year, you wouldn't burn 60 grand, you'd burn 30 grand. Of course, the quicker you get moving, the less working capital you need. But I think that's where I think there's statistics from the Small Business Association, SBA. They say the reason 90 percent of all small businesses fail isn't because they aren't good people or good providers. It's because they were undercapitalized, which means they didn't have enough money in the piggy bank to get to get things rolling, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Lou. It's so funny, Lou. Um, the, my next three questions are exactly what you were talking about. So Good. what are some creative tricks to negotiating office space? Because that's probably a big um, expense, right? So, like, forget so, about the fax machine. What about office space? So
1: now is a great time because um, before COVID hit, it was pretty competitive. I mean, you could always negotiate. Somebody, like, wants to rent a space. Like, I've been negotiating. Before COVID, I negotiated a space in Chicago, and, you know, they wanted, you know, 24 bucks a foot for rent. And you know, we brought, negotiated, went back and forth, got them down to like 18 bucks a foot. And then um COVID hit and the world went kind of crazy. And now so many people are working remote. I feel like the commercial real estate game is getting softer. Residential real estate, for whatever crazy reason, you know, you own a home, it's worth twice as much now as it was before COVID. But in the commercial market, so many people have gone remote and don't want to come to work. Maybe it's because of dogs, kids, family enjoyment yeah. or gasoline. And so I think because of that, the commercial real estate market is starting to slowly get softer. I think it's going to get worse and worse and worse. In fact, I think the best example, I was at the mall the other day and I saw a little Tesla auto dealer at the, um, I think it was a fashion square mall in Scottsdale, Arizona. Now this location had four Teslas in Erica, and maybe it's a thousand square feet. When's the last time you went to a car dealer, there's a thousand square feet. Usually I have 400 cars in this huge lot, but Tesla is re the business. And you know what? Come up here, look on the TVs, look at the digital screen, order a line. So I think that the future retail stores and like the Nordstroms of the world that are 100,000 square feet are probably gonna go down to 1,000 square feet. You're gonna walk in, you're gonna look at a big screen, you're gonna press the type of address you want. It's gonna show you what you look like on that digital screen address. You'll press buy and it's sent to your home. So I think because of all this crazy innovation technology and people working remote, I think it's awesome for our world of medical aesthetics and I think people are gonna be able to get better and better prices, lower and lower without even having to negotiate that much. I think it's just the state of the markets. So I think that it's, it's gonna be a great thing for our industry.
0: That's great. So in other words, they should be using their puppy dog eyes
1: <laughs> and
0: uh, knowing that they have the upper edge, right? And Another thing too that I noticed in the past when I've been negotiating space, sometimes I'll do a graduated. I'll just say, "Hey, you know, I'm going to fully commit to this 2,500 or 5,000 square feet, but can I start by paying a thousand, then, then for 2,000, then for 3,000, and graduating using puppy dog eyes because <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur and I need your support. But in return, I'll sign a five year lease or I'll sign a seven year lease, you know. <laughs> and um, I think if they see that you're going to be a solid tenant. You'll bring in more traffic for the other people in there and it's high quality traffic. They're looking at all of those things too. They want a good person. So just be a good person and um and paint a good vision and be someone that they want to say yes yeah.
1: to. And one one I, trick, Eric, I always use um, I use it in my negotiations in Chicago. I know in my mind that I could do a seven or eight-year lease, but I know the market is five years. So I go in, I negotiate a deal for five years, okay, knowing that I've got some playroom going to seven. And then then I say to them, okay, you know what? Okay, we've agreed upon these terms, but I really need an extra $50,000 for tenant improvements. I really need the rent to be 500 bucks less a month. I know know this is our deal, but tell you what I'm gonna do for you. I'm gonna take the five-year lease. I'm gonna give you three more years if you give me the money I want and voila, done deal. It's like, so they feel like they're getting something, which they are, but I was ready to give it from the get-go anyway. Ah!
0: So you brought something up that wasn't on my list of questions but very quickly i want to blow through this because there's bigger things for us to get into but you mentioned this this um, concept of tenant improvements chances are you're going to make their space look beautiful right so that's what they're looking for too is who's going to come in and really upgrade the space and not ruin it, right, that they can trust. But what Lewis is saying is you can negotiate with them to give you dollars. And what is it, about $200 a square foot, if you're lucky, you can get um, from- Yeah, like in Lincoln. Chicago,
1: they get, in Chicago, the going rate well, is actually was 30 bucks a foot. We got them up to 50. So we have a 6,000 square foot space there. So we're getting um, 6,000 times 50. They're giving us $300,000 cash towards the build-up. Now, granted, it's going to cost me a lot more than that, but that's a nice chunk to help me out.
0: That's great. So it's like 20 to 30 square foot, but go for $200 a square foot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. As much as you can get, as much as you can get. Right. Um, All
0: right. And then um, also like, how do you find all the pre and post care paperwork? Um, Is there liability or releases needed? You, you touched on that. Like how do you even find that paperwork and, Mm -hmm. and know what you need
1: for the When I started my business 18 years ago, and I had to gather all this paperwork, you know, client consent forms. I'm saying, I went online, okay, where can I buy this? Can't somebody sell it to me? Nobody would sell it to America. And I couldn't even find it. And I found out it's because the regulations are different. In every single state, nobody wants to sell because well, the, the paperwork that's clean and legal in Arizona isn't clean and legal in Texas or California. So each one has to be kind of custom tweaks. And there's basic things. You go to the doctor, it says your name, email, phone number, you know, what drugs you're taking, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, But medical history. And then but so really, the best way to do it is kind of get some foundational forms, which you know we can supply through Luologies. There's some foundational forms as a template, as a baseline, a starting point, and then go pay a healthcare attorney for two hours of time, a couple hundred dollars. Okay, can you tweak this so it's clean and legal, based on the state I live in and based on what I'm doing? I don't, I, I don't encourage people to play attorney and try to save four hundred bucks because it'll right. bite you in the ass one day, you know.
0: Okay, so there's two different sides of this and you touched on this. So I'm going to say it again because I I want everyone joining at least for as a free member of Blueology. It's just L-O-U-ology.com. Go there, it's free. We're going to be filling that resources part of the library with the pre and post care paperwork, which is usually pretty universal. So if you're doing tattoo removal, um, it's pretty universal how you prepare someone for that and then what you tell them after you treat them. What's not universal, which is what you're referring to, Lou, is more of the compliance stuff like the the releases and those kinds of things. Um, We're not going to furnish that because we'd rather you do that officially the right way in your state, Um, but we'll have things too and in there that are really going to help fast track you in um, for full access members of Luology. and then so. What are the systems you need? Is like, is an EMR required? And if you have an EMR, does that mean it is HIPAA compliant? And do you need that stuff? Like, how can you explain that?
1: Um, you don't need electronic medical records, but it'll make your life a lot easier to be digital, especially if all the systems talk to each other. So so it's a pain in the butt to set up because you got to take all your files in charge. You got to scan them into the EMR computers. And that, that's a project. You know, you, you pay some kid 12 bucks an hour and they spend a month doing it. Yeah, you spend a couple thousand dollars, depending on how big a database you have. You know, if you got 10 people, it takes you five minutes. If you got 10,000 people, it's gonna take a little time. But the hardest part is to transfer the data from the, the manual paper files into the electronic records and into the software. And then once you get that done, then it's smooth sailing, Erica. Then, then you're off to the races and you're just paying a small monthly fee for your software. And it makes life so much easier because what can go wrong in the business world will go wrong. I mean, I hate to say this, but computers break, they freeze buildings burn down. I mean, let me ask a question, Erica, has your, has your iPhone or Samsung ever frozen where it just doesn't work for a second and uh-huh. barfed and you've lost contact information? You want to scream and yell, well, well, welcome. Now we're in the world of the cloud. And so you know now it's like we have this, this data saved in the cloud. So the building, bu- building burns down. It would suck, but it's okay. We have insurance and all our data and information and client information is in the cloud. So by using the electronic medical records, the EMRs and the Revelata softwares, and if the softwares of the world, you know, we're protected, we're, we're, we're safe.
0: Okay, that's great. So one of our Revelana clients, a software client, he's a doctor um, and he's using an EMR and he's paying $600 a month. And yeah. I've, he's had it since 2013. <clears throat> so from what I've noticed in the market, it looks like the prices of EMRs have come down a lot and he's still paying very high old fashioned prices. So that's something I'm going to be researching for Luology and Revolana to get that answer in there, like what EMR should I be using? And um, and so that's been huge. And it, it it's from what you said, it sounds Lou that you're encouraging people to get it right off the bat so they don't have to catch up yeah. all that data in. Um, yeah, we we
1: use it. one we use one called Aesthetic Record. To be honest with you, it's a, it's a nice brand in the industry, but. I really don't know. Is it the best? Is it worst? Is it mid-market? Because there's always things, that you always find these things that it can't do and you get frustrated. But then you go to the next system, which can do the things that your system couldn't do. And then it can't do other things. So it's like, you're always trading off, you know, good versus bad. So you kind of have to first say, okay, what are my needs? What are my top five things I need? And which software comes the closest as far as meeting those criteria? And it'll never be perfect, Erica, unless somebody does a custom coding. That gets crazy expensive and mm-hmm. it's is a tough game. So yeah, you really got to do for homework initially to say okay, it's not going to be perfect. Any software you got is not going to be perfect, but you know, does it have as many possible features that meet your needs based on what you want to do as possible? And then you go down that road and hope for the best, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And do you happen to know how much you would pay for it?
1: I roughly, I can't remember. To be honest, no. I can't. Okay, remember
0: all right? I, all I know, I'm gonna. That's my job, Luology. I'm gonna do some research <laughs> on that part,
1: and we're
0: gonna get but, that but,
1: answer. But, yeah, but, but but I, one of my goals, like. I hate it when I see all my thousands and thousands of customers paying these crazy prices because they get sucked in by some salesperson. They're spending 800 bucks a month on something they could be spending $100 a month for. So I love to deliver that information to the world because, you know, we all got to start somewhere. And it sucks if somebody gets sold a bill of goods and they're paying triple what they have to, they don't even need to, you know.
0: Yeah, I'd rather than pay 50 a month and take us out for sushi.
1: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. A sushi, right. thank you.
0: <laughs> so what's the criteria for whether a practice needs a medical director, and how do you find out in your state?
1: So every single state in the United States of America is it 50 states now. It used to be 52. It's 50 now, right? <laughs> All right 52, 52. Hawaii Alaska, I'm backwards. It used to be 50. I was 52, right? Hawaii we Alaska. Have right? We have Guam. I, I, I had it backwards. Okay, so every state. <laughs> Every state in the country needs a medical director. People get confused sometimes. They're, what is a medical director? A medical director is always a MD or a DO. They always qualify in every state. In some states, a naturopathic physician or a nurse practitioner can qualify also. So by just picking up the phone and calling your medical board, you can ask them the question, hey, who can be a medical director in this state? And they'll tell you. So A, you've got to get somebody to be a medical director. Now, hospitals have a medical director. Physicians office have a medical director. And If I was a doctor, Erica, you couldn't pay me a million dollars a year to be a medical director at a hospital or a doc shop because people die. There's like drug interactions. People die. You're like a liable party. But to be a medical director for a med spa or injectables or lasers, nobody dies from Botox or lasers. Our biggest event is a blister, a bruise, a heavy brow or droopy eye. So the risk is like, I don't want to say nothing because there's no risk-free thing in this life. But. The risk for a medical doctor is like next to nothing. So, you know, I know so many people they, they take a monthly fee to be the med- they're the supervising party. They sign the piece of paper, to the doctor, the practice. Let's say, okay, you want to start practice tomorrow. You're not a nurse, you're not a doctor, you're not a laser tech. You want to be a business owner and hire laser techs and hire nurses. Well, what you do is you get the doctor to sign the little agreement, okay, saying they'll be the supervising party. You get their license, you send their license into the vendors like Allergan and Galderma. And now you, Erica, you yourself or a receptionist you can call in and place all the future prescription orders for Botox and fillers, things like that. And the doctor is delegating permission for your team to do these services. I've seen people charge as little as free to be a medical doctor. Maybe it's a barter deal. Maybe it's a friend of the family or something like that. I've seen barter deals where the doctor, maybe their family comes in for treatments and they don't take a fee. I've seen people take a piece of the action. I've seen people get a monthly fee. Uh, most, I'd say the norm is probably a flat monthly fee, low Five hundred bucks a month, high. Fifteen hundred bucks a month, let's say average. Eight hundred to twelve hundred a month in that range. I've seen some doctors that have their name on ten clinics, in the same state. They're charging a grand a month. They're making ten grand a month, and they're popping in every three months and saying hi. So, so not yeah. a bad gig. Not a bad gig for a doctor. Um, and um, would you like me to share real briefly on um, kind of some tips and tricks on you know how we recommend people find a medical director? Sure. Sure. So quick, I get asked this all the time. So people say, Oh my gosh, you know, how do I find a medical doctor? It seems so complicated and hard. So I remember back in the day, 18 years ago, I knew none, num- but nobody in this space or I wasn't an aesthetic guy. I was a health and beauty online marketer and TV marketer. I didn't know the aesthetic world. So but this is back in the day where we used actually fax machines. We, I'm, I'm aging myself, but we didn't have like, you know, phone faxes. We had actually fax machines. So, so I sent out 500 faxes, to 500 dermatologists in the state of Arizona to say, Hey, you don't know me. This is my first year in business. I'm going to be a big company one day you want to be in business with me here's why and so out of 500 people i think two people were applied and one guy named sasha jazarari he's a new germ hungry to be involved in the practice he said, sure this seems fun love to have my name on there and be involved and so hired him so that was back in the day so nowadays my recommendation is first go with your own network of who do you know what if, who do you go to for your OBGYN? who's your primary care doctor You know. And ask them, hey, do you want to be my medical director? You know, blah, blah, blah. In most states, they don't even have to have a lot of knowledge in injections and technology. In some states, like Arizona, maybe have to take a one-day class of pretty basic stuff. Uh, if for some reason you, you know nobody, you have no friends that are doctors or MPs, then step two, in my opinion, is simply go on Google and Google med spa, Botox treatment, laser hairball treatment, blah, blah, blah. And you will see, Erica, 50, 100, 1,000 med spa dogs have to show up that are doing the services so if you go on the website they
0: they have to be in your region right they yeah yeah yeah. in in the state you live in exactly yeah yes yes
1: yes, in the state you live in yes yes good point so so you live in chicago it has to be in the state of illinois Uh, a medical director has to have an active license in the state you live in um so you go online 50 locations pop up i guarantee you out of those 50 websites that come up 40 of them will list who the medical director they'll mention oh our medical director is lewis or eric on the website so find that medical director on Instagram or Facebook, LinkedIn, send them a message. Hey, I'm a new in town. I'm starting my own business. I heard you got a great reputation. You're, you're the medical director here. You know the game. Would you in, be interested in putting your name on another clinic and be my medical director too? Guess what? You don't have to educate them. You don't have to explain that they're already joining it, Erica. And they know, wow, this is easy. I'm going to make some more money. So to me, that's that's the no brainer right there. That That's the way I would, that's that's pretty much the way I, I would do it personally. You, know? you, you yeah. can't lose that way. Now, is it a little time consuming? Yeah, but I bet you could knock it out in four hours, you know, five hours.
0: Yeah, that's great. And also, again, full access members of Luology, yeah. we have uh, sample contracts that just give you the idea. They're not legal documents, but they are. But, um, you can't use them as a legal document, but they just give you the pieces of what you should be including in your agreement with your medical director um and also you wrote and we have that in the resources too you wrote a really great email of what you say to even say hello and try yeah. to get someone to to get back to you to have that meeting about being their the medical yeah. director and
1: honestly i think that's the easiest part of starting a business work a lot of people freak out about that it's stressed out i think that's the easiest part the hardest part is you know okay is it's how do we market ourselves to get new clients in the door and and keep them coming back and like that's always the hardest part of any business in the world. But once you figure it out, once you get there, it's like, wow.
0: That's gonna be our one of our crushing in an aesthetics interviews. It's gonna be just about that. Like when you open your door,
1: how do you get people coming in? Yeah. So, and everybody gets excited and they think, oh my, all my friends and family are gonna come in, all these people and all these people, the hospital, my job, and then all of a sudden you thought 100 people would be storming down your door, like three of them show up. You're like, oh, (laughs) yeah, what do I do now, you know? Yeah, so we'll get there. Okay, that's part of the journey.
0: Yeah, we're definitely gonna dive into that. It's important. But okay, so I have like three questions left and they're really, really good ones. So like, how do you even figure out what equipment to buy, what technology do you like the best? Like, what do you start with? And, and again, I wanna preface this by, we keep saying again and again and again, don't go overboard right away. Just hone in on what's the best choice for you and work your way out from there as a growth strategy, right? So how do you even figure out what equipment to buy and start with?
1: So there's two schools of thought here. Um, one is, okay, What's your passion? What do you like to do? Maybe it's hair removal. Maybe it's cold sculpting. Maybe it's tattooing, blah, blah, blah. And then the other thing is, okay, well, forget what you like. What's the market asking for? What's the market demanding? I remember back in the day, I didn't tell you this, Erica, but um, back in the day, this is going back to 1997, I was obsessed with smoothies. I still am. Uh, <laughs> but um, there was uh, really no big players across the country. There's one company called the Juice Club, which has just opened up. And I decided to open up a smoothie bar. So I opened that because I love them so much. So I opened up a little smoothie bar in Old Town Scottsdale on this trip of Las Vegas, Nevada. And then I quickly realized that uh, the juice club got an investment from Starbucks. They blew up again this big company. I was ready to get killed to go bankrupt. And then I then I realized that I, I got in the business for the wrong reason. I got in the business because it was like a hobby and fun and a passion, but I didn't really look out there and see, okay, what's the demand? How many people are buying smoothies a day? And yeah, you know, I didn't think of the fact that, gosh, what if supermarkets like Whole Foods start offering smoothies and, and restaurants starting smoothies, I didn't realize like that could destroy me because then it's like, you know, so, so I kind of jumped too fast on this passion and emotion for me liking smoothies. And I should have done more market research on, you know, how many people get smoothies, where do they get them, what do they cost, what's the competition, blah, blah, blah. So my recommendation is first, yes, know what you like doing, but then second, see what the market is. A lot of people get really excited about tattoo, oh, my friends have tattoos, they want them off. You know, they got their ex-girlfriend or boyfriend the body on their body and now they broke up. And so I'm gonna get a tattoo because it seems cool and it seems growing. Well, you're right, it is growing, but people don't realize it's a niche, Erica. Huh? It's it's like one of the smaller niches. I mean, hair removal is way bigger than that. Botox is way bigger, skimmer So but but people get excited, they jump in and they don't really say, Okay, well, how many people in the state I live in have tattoos and might be removing them? You really gotta look at both sides of the equation. So once now you now you know what you like and what the market's asking for. Then you get into okay. Do I want to be another one of the many out there and be a marketing machine and figure out, or do you want to be more of a niche provider and find some technology that's kind of more niche and unique and one of a kind and kind of have that have that point of difference? And and then also, what's my price point? Because there's devices that are five grand and 150 grand. So there's there's but here's what's interesting. You would think if you buy a more expensive device, Erica, that costs like 100 grand, you can charge a higher ticket. Not necessarily. Devices that do hair removal they can cost 80 to 100 grand, but if the average ticket is 200 bucks, that's not a big ticket. And mm-hmm. then there's devices that are like the skin pen or this microneedling pen cost 5,000 bucks. The average cost might be the same, $200. Right. And so that's a better return on investment. You buy a device for five grand, you charge 200 bucks versus buying a device for hundred grand, charge 200 bucks. If you can do the same amount of clients per month, that's a no-brainer to me. Buy, buy the cheaper one in that case. Now, if for some reason for laser hair mobile, you could see 15 clients a day and on the microneedling, you can only see three, then maybe it makes sense to buy the more expensive device. So there's a lot of variables out there. Uh, people, the biggest mistake I see in the industry is people go out and they buy two or three devices from the get go because I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be famous. I'm going to build this big brand, which is great to be excited. But and even if you have the money, I think it's idiotic. I think you always got to walk before you run because, mm-hmm. you know, like when I started this business uh, back in the day, now I've got millions and millions and millions of dollars of equipment that I don't pay for. The biggest companies in the world, they give it to us for free because they want the exposure. But back in the day, 18 years ago, I bought two devices. I bought a laser hair mobile device that the representative told me could treat any skin type, whether they're as dark as Denzel Washington or as light as no cold Kidman, this is the laser hair removal device. I found out six months later, Laser, uh, Erica, that they lied to me and it could, I called you Laser. I'm, so, that they lied that's to me. Name, by name the way, that's the name of his dog. He just yeah. called me the name of his dog. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it's we'll a, it a very cute <laughs> dog. cute uh, dog. Uh, but anyway, so I found out this laser, I bought this, but $80,000 for, could not treat skin types fives and six. It couldn't treat African-Americans or Asians or Middle Eastern or Italian or, from mexico so i'm like geez, i feel like i threw away a dollars and i did the same mistake on a your mobile device they said it can treat any color ink black blue green red and that wasn't the case so i jumped too fast if i was mm-hmm. smarter probably would have bought one device played it out and realized oh no no no, no. i mean, just so we all get excited and we move too quick so you really gotta in hindsight what i should have done is once i got sold by the rap and got excited about the direction i was going i should have not listen to their references, I should have picked up the phone and called complete strangers I've never met who own the same device and hey, tell me the pros, tell me the cons. I mean, I mean, I find myself every since Louis, you're such a smart guy, you're so intelligent. Apparently not, because I didn't pick up the phone and ask somebody, you know, can this laser hair mobile treat every skin type? Can this tattoo? If I'd ask those questions, I would have saved $200,000 by just slowing the frick down, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hey,
0: a couple of things I want to this is so powerful. Um, a couple of things I want to point out is, number one, my experience inside of National Laser Is that when you are around your instructors, around you, like you guys have so much knowledge in your heads. So pick the brains, get a mentor, join luology, whatever you have to do, like have a mentor to turn to because the market, this is the other thing, your, your clients are going to tell you what they need next. So you make your first decision. It's that client base that should be telling you where to go next. And then you turn to a mentor and say, this is where I need to go what's the best choice Um, and that's the way you should go the other thing I've noticed too which is brilliant like the students in I don't know if they're called students but your students in your institute when they're going through training the trainees they are getting treated as models like by other technology they're not even being trained on, and, they, and then they end up saying, oh, my God, I love the, you know, and, and then they learn that they love that treatment, and that's what they want to specialize in, so you've said this in mentor sessions, like, go get treatments, too, if you can't do it in the training program and get it, like, while you're there, um go book one and experience it and see what it's like and if they suck that means you can get into that market and compete and not suck right if they yep, just exactly. suck as people exactly. so um anyway with that's another that's also something we can really unpack in just one session of crushing it so we'll get into that so you ready for another question sure sure okay so how do you buy it and does it need to be registered is it inspected by the state anything like that when you get the technology
1: so to buy technology typically you have to be lined up with your medical director because the laser company that sells you the device wants to know that you've got that supervising party so you're playing by the rules um and a lot of people get confused because everybody talks about like um uh, you lease a laser you know or finance a laser so when you lease a car finance a car the way it works is like if you finance the car, let's say you're paying 500 bucks a month for the car. If you lease the car, maybe you're paying 350 a month, but you have to give the car back after five years. If you're financing the car, you're paying more money, but you get to keep the car. So in laser, um, regardless whether they call it a finance or a lease, it's yours. It's yours. You're keeping it. It's all semantics. So typically, they want you to put down 10 or 20% of the cost of the laser based on your credit. So if a device is $60,000, you will put down six to $12,000, and you'll make a monthly payment, typically over three, five, seven years, whichever term you choose and whatever the market interest rates are until it's paid off. Now, um, the good news is payments are the way to go, in my opinion. You never want to pay cash for a laser device, even if you can afford it, because it's kind of like a car. Very few cars hold their value, Erica. Maybe the collector items from years ago, but you know, I bought a, um, let's see, the um, uh, last car I bought was a Jaguar F-Type 5 years ago, I think I paid $85,000 for it. And I looked the other day and even this is a hot market for used cars, even this hot market is worth 30,000. So I'm upset, I lost $50,000, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so technology is kind of like that. I mean, it'll still be good and last forever, but there's always something latest and greatest and new that you wanna kind of, you wanna trade in the old stuff and get the new stuff. So I strongly recommend you never ever cut a check and pay cash for it. I know old school is all, oh, pay cash for everything. You have no debt, no bills. I get that, but if you wanna be in this business forever, you want to evolve for the times, have the latest and greatest things. You don't want to get stuck with technology. Nobody wants a aesthetic treatment that's 20 years old. You know, you mm-hmm. wanna know what Kim Kardashian did last week, not 20 years ago, right? So so um, for somebody to buy equipment, yeah, they're gonna to have to have 10, 20 grand in the bank and be willing to make the payments. I know it's freaky to think, oh my gosh, All right, Lewis, you tell me a payment could be a thousand bucks a month or 1500 bucks a month. And it's, it's a frightening number, right? But yeah, if you get a treatment, Erica, if a customer comes in and gets a treatment, let's say the cost of a treatment is $500 for a 30-minute technology-based, you know, uh, skirmation treatment, how many clients a month would you need to see? If, if, your, if your payment is $1,500 a month and each client spends $500, three clients a month pays your bills. Could you see three clients in a month? Probably, if it takes 30 minutes, you could see three clients in a half day. Or, so really, in one day, in less than one day, you could pay for the cost of your device. Now, it doesn't sound as scary. Now you're like, ah, oh, deep breath. I think I can do that. You know, even though it's, it's a big ticket. Now, there's one other thing. Warranties. If you buy a device new, they're going to give you a warranty for free for a year or two, like you will for a car. Um, and then you'll have to continue paying for the warranty if you want it fixed. Anytime the software, the technology breaks. Now, some devices are workhorses, they could go years without breaking down and some break every six months because they're tied to software. So I'm a big believer of getting warranties because what can go wrong in this world will go wrong. And. You know, if your device goes down and it takes them two weeks to fix it, because you have no warranty, you pissed off 100 customers and your brand smashed. And you may have, so everybody says, Louis, but if I buy this used device, I don't have to pay 70 grand. I can pay 20 or 30 grand. Louis, why would I ever blow an extra 50 grand? Well, that's the reason. Because when you buy a used device, you can't get a warranty. Mm -hmm. You've got to get it fixed yourself. You think you can get it done in a couple of days, a couple of days turns into a couple of weeks. Yes, you save 50 grand, but if you pissed off 300 clients, they're slamming you on Yelp, you're bankrupt it was the worst decision you ever made. So you're kind of like, what's the term, Erica? It's called like penny-wide dollar foolish. Like you're trying to save, you're trying to save a penny and it costs you a dollar, you know? Mm-hmm yeah
0: right on so this has been so i even i feel smarter after this i love it um, and you know the last two questions we've already answered this one what's the biggest mistakes aesthetics professionals make when they start their practices it's about making stupid buy decisions jumping in without without your research and um, going too big too fast Yeah, let it grow. Right. And this last question, I think I'm going to say for an entire segment on its own crushing it in aesthetics. What's the number one best way for an owner um or esthetician to get their practice rocking that's another so we'll cover that in an. yeah that
1: that's a session itself that we can talk yeah. about for, hours, for yeah. hours yeah
0: and and i want to interview even though this is your show like i want to interview you um for that because <laughs> i i had i don't know about you I but had what if class. i can't answer the question you're <laughs> the car, you're gonna freeze. So I had a blast and this is a, this is a perfect way for us to wrap up our inaugural crushing in aesthetics. I just got the chills. I just love this. Um, We want to start with a great guest. So we started with Lou, the best, and um, we'll have a different professional on for specific subjects like branding and legal. Hopefully we can get your lawyer friends, marketing, recruiting, compliance, that kind of stuff. Um, Maybe EMR, technology, that kind of stuff so you can influence our topics too so um we're here for you i want you to know that and you can either email us your needs at crushingit at luology.com or message us on social at ask luology and we are very very grateful to have you part of our community please um, we're excited to keep you learning and earning and making it seem easy and fun. Um, so please follow us, subscribe, stay invited. Okay. Any parting words, Lou, because I'm going to say bye for now.
1: Yeah, because um, because we live in a world of social media, I encourage everybody to follow us on Instagram at Ask Luology. like ask a question, ASK Luology. There's all kinds of fun tips and tricks and motivation, inspiration. So you're constantly becoming be up, you guys, with questions and ideas and will this work? And what does this cost? So hit us up. We're here to help you. We're here to serve you. I mean, obviously all of us are out there to earn a living, you know, and we're excited about launching our Revelando software. And, you know, that'll be a, you know, a huge, you know, revenue stream for us, but it's going to be awesome because, you know, when we put that out in the marketplace, we're going to be like way lower than the marketplace. it will be the best value out of the marketplace. But our, my real goal is to provide content, information, education. So you guys don't make the mistakes I made. I made a zillion dollars mistakes. And thank goodness I've got 18 years under my belt. I can say, hey, do this, don't do that. And I want you all to succeed. I I, I, I thrive off healthy competition. There's plenty of in America for everybody. I don't care if there's a thousand people in my block that are in the same business. There's such a big marketplace. We all can get our piece to the market. So it's just so much fun to help people grow and earn more money and learn and just get pumped and see them watch their dreams come true. So that's what it's all about for me.
0: Ah, I love it. Me too. Again, I got the chills again. So my name's Erica Feinberg. Um, this is Crushing It in Aesthetics with Lou Silberman. Um, Lou, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for d- devoting your time to this. I hope you all Absolutely. love it. Absolutely. Right. And we'll keep
1: it going. We'll keep it going. Thank you, Erica. All
0: right. Bye for now.